Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the happy one, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And joining me back this week is a man who is still remembered by Chelsea supporters, especially in the shed end. It's Steve Wick. Steve, how are we? We're all right, Keith. Very happy about yesterday. Um, that was always the big game. Chelsea Tottenham was always our sort of biggest game, really. And it's so nice to see Chelsea win and win well. Win well. We missed our first choice goalkeeper, which a lot of people were shocked about when the team's news came in. But then when Tuchel explained, he spoke about how Mendy picked up an injury against Zenit midweek. And it was a bit of a sort of a, quite a bad collision between him and the centre forward in the later stages of that game. So, yes, keep him fresh, put Kepper in. I was expecting Spurs to look at that and maybe go right. That one weakness we can exploit, and they didn't do it. And Kepper looked no, quite sure. No. Yeah, I'm pleased for him. We've spoken about him before. Um, he's being rebuilt, and it's yes. very important that he went in. Clean sheet, no mistakes. Mm. Uh, and it's a step, you know, he can't overnight become a bad goalkeeper. You know, he, we pay fortunes for him. Um, and it's our job to try and, you know, make him great again. Mm. And uh, that was a big step. That was a he, big looks step. At, he does look a different goalkeeper from when he was the number one. And yeah. whether or not it's a psychological issue with him, whether it was the fact that he came in with so much money and then he made one mistake and it played on him, or whether or not he didn't feel loved by the previous coach. Under Tuchel, he obviously understands that Mendy's come in and Mendy's a better overall keeper, although Kepa has been told he's a better penalty saver. 
by Tuchel. But he looks, when he has come in, he looks a different Kepa to what he was when we first brought him in. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a few players that are looking different and looking better since the new manager's come in. You know, we spoke about Christiansen. He now looks one hell of a player. Um, you know, the goalkeeper, Alonso, he was on his way out. And he's, he, the manager's done a fantastic job. And that's great for us because I thought, you know, Spurs had a two or three injuries on Saturday and it proved that their squad is nowhere near good enough. But what one thing's for sure is our squad is absolutely full of class and good players. And that's the difference between a Tottenham and a Chelsea at the moment. Strength in depth. We did discuss this on a previous episode, I know, and I know I've even mentioned it to certain people at the ground so far this season. This squad, I wouldn't say quality-wise, is the same as, but we haven't had a, uh, an overall squad depth like this since 04, 05, 06, whereby you could probably miss one or two star names, but have two names come in, ready-made replacements that are equally as good. You know, when, say, for example, Lampard would be subbed, for example, or Essien would be rested, you'd have players come in like a Balak, a Makaleli, a Yiri Yarashik come in, and they would still be decent players. You know, John Terry might be out for two to three games, but you'd have Galas or Cavalio come in as replacements. I see that in this squad whereby Pulisic, a couple of years ago, he would be out injured. We'd miss that spark. We haven't missed him when he's been injured. Hudson-Odoi, a few years ago, was an important player. Partly still is, but we don't miss him as much as probably what we have done a couple of years ago. And I think that tells the story going forward, especially when we talk about winning trophies. Premier League or Champions League, we discussed it, the chances of us actually retaining the Champions League. And I personally think we've got a good chance to do that, purely based on the squad and hopefully see what happens with qualification, see who we get in the knockout stages. Based on what I've seen from other teams, comparing their squad size to ours and their depth quality to ours, there's no reason why we can't win the Champions League again? No, I agree, Keith. I, I, in fact, when, and uh, we spoke about this earlier, you know, this on paper is an easier one to win than years gone by because Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't up there anymore. They've, they've had to slash their squads, they've had to sell players, um, and that's unheard of. And so you look then at, at PSG, Bayern Munich, and, of course, the boys from the same country as us. Hmm. Man United, Man City, you know, Liverpool. They could be our biggest rivals in that. We could again, and I, I don't think we'd be far off it, have an all-English all Champions League Cup final. Yes, um, that could uh, very uh, well happen. But I don't think we fear the Spanish teams anymore. Um, like... In, in the past, we always used to think, oh, go Barcelona, or oh, no, Real Madrid. 
they haven't got quite that fear factor anymore. And uh, um, obviously PSG, if that their front three click, they're going to have a hell of a chance. But um, again, the problem with them is I don't think they play play in a league, which is, you know, it's quite it's a stroll for them uh, most games. So when they get to the quarterfinals, semi-finals of the Champions League, it's a totally different tempo, a totally different game. And I think that's where they struggle. And I think when you look at it from a defensive point, and again, you being an ex-centre-half, PSG might be great going forward, but defensively, they still leak goals and they still leak poor goals as well. And that could be got at by better quality teams than what they are facing week in, week out. They don't have someone, they don't, they're not going up against a Lukaku type every single week, whereas in the Champions League, they could with Lukaku, Lewandowski, even a Haaland. So that would be interesting. Bayern, if we're looking at it from a Champions League point of view, Bayern are ones for me to beat as well. They're, they're going to be a tough team. They always are. They always are. They, they always yeah. are. They, they always are. And I'm going, to, I'm going to stick my neck out. And I'm actually going to agree with you, Steve. I think we could have another all-English Champions League final. I certainly think City are capable. I think Liverpool are very capable. United, on the other hand, they've got the players, they've got the star man, but they haven't got the coach. No. No, I, I think, yeah, I think what's been proven um, throughout the Premier League over the last three or four years is that, you know, people will say, well, as long as the coaches have got the money, they can become the best coaches in the world. But I think what, what's happened with Pep, um, uh, certainly our manager, is and Klopp, they improve their players. Players improve as players under them. Mm. Uh, so I don't think Manchester United, I think they're trying to just buy success uh, instead of working at success. Mm. And, you know, there's so many of our players have become better players under you know, Tuchel. And I think that He's proven his weight in gold, you know, with regard to his decision at half-time. Changed the whole course of the game. Changed the whole course of the game. Uh, and we looked far, be- far, far better in the second half. Um, and I'm always gutted when, uh, you know, Mason Mount gets taken off. But with regard to that, it was, it was a masterstroke. And it worked beautifully. Well... Whether he's having a bit of a hangover from Euros, I don't know. I did see him play against St. Petersburg in the Champions League. And he didn't play well. I think that could be said. There was a few players that didn't play well. But I think Mount is getting to that point where he may be playing too many games and he's not had a proper full rest. If it was me... I think it was perfect for him to be taken off against Tottenham because it just wasn't working. That sort of system that was being played with him and Havertz with Lukaku against the Spurs side who needed to come at us, needed to compete, it wasn't working. And Kovacic and Jorginho, we've mentioned it, no. it's such a different partnership to what it was when they first came, when they first arrived. Kovacic against Aston Villa last week and Zenit in the Champions League 
my goodness, what a superb performances he produced in the middle of the park. And it's interesting yeah. with him and Jorginho now. Kovacic is the, the man, the, the engine, doing all the work, and Jorginho is the one mopping up, cleaning. You know, Kovacic yeah. is doing the dirty work, and Jorginho is the, is the cleaner. He's cleaning the dirty work. And it's that fabric of the midfield partnership, I think, is key. And people talk about, well, there's not enough goals in Chelsea's midfield. Kante went forward yesterday. And yes, he scored a lucky goal. He was still there at the right place, right time. But you've got players like Mount and Havertz and Ziyech, Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic and Lukaku and Werner. They're the ones that can get you to 15, 20 goals a season. Yeah. With the system that Tuchel is playing, especially with Alonso going forward or Rhys James or Aspilicueta. I mean, Aspilicueta, my goodness, for someone who's near mid-30s now, playing in that role at the right wing back that's put on more years in his game and we've got to talk about Thiago Silva he's defying logic at the moment he's near 37 years old and he's playing probably arguably the best football of his career and it's quite ironic Keith because you you said that you thought PSG were vulnerable at the back Um, and they've got rid of and I I think there's something in football which it used to be in my day when you hit 30 you're over the hill um, you know but when you've got his class um, you know they probably thought at 35, 36 he, well 35 he's uh, you know it's time for him to go and we've got to find a replacement but what I like about him and Ronaldo is their ambition not to go to America and earn you know major bucks although they're both earning a good, good wage but they could probably earn more money going to the MLS than they did here and um, but they've decided to come here which is a hard hard place to come and make an impression and they've been absolutely brilliant so far both of them so uh, you know if I could bottle that and 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 make um, you know my centre-halves drink that he is absolutely brilliant you mentioned just earlier about in your day when you was playing that you again you'd reach a certain age whether it was 30 31 32 and certain people would say oh he's lost it he's lost that yard of pace or he's lost that sort of knack of getting in the right place at the right time oh because he's reached 30. did you have any experiences in your time where managers would actually say that to you or certain players would say that yeah, we need to maybe look elsewhere because of your age or things like that. Did you ever sort of experience something like that? No, 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 I didn't. Keith. I, I, I retired at thirty-one, so I didn't really face um, anyone. Through. But I'm sure people would think, you know, it's amazing how you can make a mistake or you can get caught out, and it's because you're thirty hmm. or thirty-one. That happens, uh, you know, a lot of times. I think that um, you know it was a bit like Bobby Moore when when he they decided to leave him out of the England team. You know he had a couple of bad games um, for England, and he made a couple of really sort of mistakes that he never had made in his life. Um, and all of a sudden there was this big cry that he was past it; he was too old. And yet 
a year later or two years later, he was leading, you know, Fulham to an FA Cup final and was absolutely brilliant for him. You know, I, I think it's a fallacy. And I think that maybe, you know, both these these ambassadors of the game and two very dedicated and great professional footballers can can strike out for the older players and say, well, actually, you don't have to be 24 or 25. You know, it's uh, because they're assets. They're both assets, both their clubs. Um, and all I'm saying is that if you can get Thiago Silva on the pitch for 25 games, we won't lose many of those. Season. No, and it's interesting when he first came in, people were a little bit skeptical because of the age and because yeah. of the fact. Well, there's a reason why PSG are letting him go. Why are we going for him? Yeah. There should be no doubt about Thiago Silva's performances. I mean, even against Aston Villa the other week in the Premier League, the clearance he made when he sort of yeah. went on the floor and blocked the shot from, I believe it was um, Watkins. You'd expect that from a young, vibrant centre-half, not somebody of Thiago Silva's ilk, but he's showing the young defenders how to do it. And we've yeah. said it before, someone like Chalabar and Christensen will only benefit by learning through Thiago Silva. It's similar to what happened with John Terry, with Desailly and Frank Leboeuf. Yeah. Well, I think, you know... I. I... If I look at Thiago Silva, and he's 37, and I'm looking at him thinking, dearie me, he's one of the best centre-halves ever to play. In this. I don't look at it as one of the best centre-halves to play for Chelsea, but I look at him as one of the best centre-halves to play in this country. He is absolutely top-notch. I love the way he comes in front of people and nicks the ball, and then he, he lays off. He's so intelligent. And the likes of Christensen and Chalabar, they can learn so much from him. And they're both good footballer centre-half but they might know when to and when not to because sometimes they you know and I just think he's uh, he's worth his weight in gold to, to Chelsea Football Club Now one thing that struck me when Thiago Silva scored the opening goal yesterday and I did actually think of you Steve when this, when this occurred I was thinking I wonder how he would look at it from a defensive point you've got a defending corner and you've got a centre-half who alright doesn't He's not one to score every week from corners, but he's a presence. If you was the coach defending that corner, would you have an attacking midfielder mark him or would you have a, more of a defensive-minded person looking to maybe block him, see where he's going, zonally or man-mark? Would you have someone like a Deli Alley mark him? No, I wouldn't. I, I, no. I, I thought... A, a total, you know, mismatch. Oh, I really did, and um, and I remember thinking, dearie me, if he's, you know, there's a real chance there. Um, but what I find really frustrating, and uh, I know I'm a bit of an old fogey, but what I'm saying is the starting position of some of these centre backs and people picking up from corners because they've got into this pulling and shoving and twisting and, and doing what they do. Their starting position isn't right. When people peel off the back of people, they're square, and they don't know how far back they are. They don't know where where they are. Where, you know, and I think that you know, sometimes Ken Chiletto used to say, "Football is a simple game complicated by idiots," and he's dead right. <laughs> you open yourself up, your arms length, your touch tight, and you're in a position where you can see both the ball 
and him. That's how you pick up. And when we're just not doing that, we're we're getting not Chelsea, but other teams. They get, you know, they're getting caught square, looking at the ball, and no idea what's behind them. And Silva um, had that other chance as well. That yeah, and, uh, and you yeah. just look at it sort of defensively, and you look at it with how Chelsea operate. Someone like Silva, you'd have someone with a bit more steel trying to oh, block him and trying to sort of stop, maybe not sort of foul him, stop yeah. him getting towards the ball rather than, oh, well, I'm covering my space, I'm okay. That's why I find it funny yeah. with no, I... man marking and zonally. Zonally's come in uh, you know, throughout the years and some managers like it, some managers hate it, but at the end of the day, as you say, it's the basics. If you've yeah. got a towering centre-half that's running towards you or running towards to meet the flight of the ball, you've got to do better than just stand there and act yeah. like you're making a presence. Well, Even... you shouldn't, as I said, yeah, as I said, Doki, you shouldn't be in that position. You should always be touch tight. Mm. You should always be that close, the length of your arm. You shouldn't allow people to have runs at you. You, you go, and I have never seen a zone score a goal. Have you? No. I've and seen. Just, I've, I've. I've seen zones concede goals. Yeah, and I, I honestly <laughs> believe that it's a way out. I think it's a way out for people not picking up. But what's happened? I think everyone's got. It's like a wrestling belt in there for the corner. Yes. I would say probably each game you could easily award three penalties from corners with the way people are, are just wrestling. Mm. Um, you know, and I didn't want, I would, you know, when, when I was playing, I don't think I'd like to have got that close to Joe Jordan where I was wrestling him, to be honest, because that would be very dangerous. Um, but no, you've got to back yourself. You know, I had when I played at QPR, I had to pick up Mickey Droy. Mm. And I, and I, I used to, I still had the principles of being touch tight and not allowing him to get in front of me, not allowing him to get a run on me, and knowing where he is and where the ball is. And that's basics. And I think that's gone out of the game. And then even when you look at the second goal, because I've sort of watched it a few times back and I was trying to analyse it for my benefit, especially for, to for today's recording. And Kante's not a dribbler whereby he's going to get past three or four players. He's, although he's done it on a rare occasion. But you'd at least, if he has the ball, close him down. I mean, I'm I'm not complaining because we won the game, but I'm looking at it from comparing us to other teams. Now we faced Arsenal away, we faced Tottenham away, so we we are the kings of North London, and we and we don't even reside in North London. We are the kings of North London. We've played Liverpool at Anfield, and because of the referee's stupidity, we played 45 minutes with 10 men, and we didn't lose. Right. So, right. comparing us to other teams at this moment in time, we're looking strong. And you look at the teams around us, or you look at the teams that are allegedly these biased punditries would have you think would be competitive with us, they're not. And you look at someone like Spurs that I don't think, no, based on what I've seen recently... Then, then nowhere near top four material. Not when you look at someone like Liverpool, United. Already, I've already gave my views on them. And you look at someone like City, Arsenal. They don't need to even to be mentioned. To be honest, they're not. Well, even, they're 
day, I'm not even in the same category as us, but you can only beat what's in front of you. But I have to sort of mention this to, to you, Steve. I don't know whether you saw it. What must Harry Kane be thinking today? When you look at someone like Lukaku, who we bought in, and people are going to, non-Chelsea fans are going to go, 98 million, that's a lot of money. Look what he's done in the short space of time that he's come in. This is why I think it was important that we got him in based on he's worked in the Premier League before with three different clubs. He knows the league. He knows how competitive it is. It looks like he hasn't left English football at all. You look at his performance compared to Kane and people are saying Kane's better than Lukaku. Kane looked lost. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Lukaku looked like somebody who wanted to score. And you can see with Lukaku's performances, every time the ball was coming towards him or people would have shots and Lukaku was in space, he was getting the ump. He was getting frustrated because he wanted to score. And he's that Mm. sort of striker that we needed, whereby, yes, we won 3-0, but he's pissed off because he hasn't scored. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, 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 listen, I played with one of the best goal scorers, I think, and that was Clive Allen. And there were times where I thought if we lost 3-2 and he scored twice, he'd be quite happy. And that's a, a centre-forward's mentality. You want them to be like that. Mm. Harry Kane, I think the truth about Harry, I think Harry Kane, to me, from what I've seen and what I've heard, He's a very upstanding man of his word gentleman. And he and he's led Spurs unbelievably. He's led the line. I think he is suffering from having an agreement and being totally let down by the powers that be at Tottenham. I think they've stitched him up unbelievably. Now, they might think when he didn't sign... Uh, sorry, when he, he they kept him at Tottenham, they might think, oh, God, we've done great there, job done. But they've got to deal with his mental side. And to me, he's not the Harry Kane. He's, he's coming off, he's coming deeper, he's playing deeper and deeper and deeper. He's playing a different way. And I think they now will look at it and for the sort of money they could have got for him, maybe with what they've done and how they've scarred him, they've lost a lot of money but I hope that he's bigger and better than that because he's very important to England as well and he comes through but the hunger between Lukaku and Harry at the weekend was there for all to see but uh, I think there's probably reasons that we don't know about which is, have made Harry Kane very what's the word I'm looking for uh, disenchanted yeah. to be where he and you look at the mood of the place. I mean, the Chelsea fans were loving it, being at three-point lane. Bearing in mind, we've played there three times now in the league and we've won all three times. So I believe now we've christened that place three-point lane. The old White Hart Lane was three-point lane to us because the great record we had there. Now I think we've christened that the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium three-point lane. We've done superbly well every game we've played there. I still remember William Strike when we first went there under Frank last season, great performance as well, which didn't help Tottenham. And yesterday's performance, I mean, even Rudiger, 
Rudiger getting in on the act at the third, yeah, the yeah. third goal, and three nil didn't flatter us because we could have won that game six nil, Steve. No, I think I think I think we could have won that game six nil. You know, but uh, it concerns me a little bit. For I think that there are now three leagues within our league, and I think that's becoming more more evident now because I think the top four have strengthened and they've got great squads. And although Leicester have a go each year, they're beginning to be a little bit found out. It's not as easy for them. You've got uh, Tottenham in a, in a mess. You've got Arsenal in a mess. Um, and it's basically because, and I hate to say this, but it's true, they haven't invested the types of money that we've invested. Yes, they've gone out and bought players, but they haven't bought players that, you know, Ben White at £50 million, he's going to be a good footballer, don't get me wrong, but, and Arsenal need a centre-back. But if you look at the players around him, there's 16.5, 12.5 million, you know, they're they're, they're what I call, you know, fill-in signings um, to try and change it. But, they look way off. So I think you've got the four, you've got the, the then battle for the other two European places, and that's between West Ham, you know, for instance, a prime example, Antonio suspended. They haven't really got a centre-forward within their squad that can replace him. Hmm. Now that, to me, shows an awful lack of ambition for West Ham, because that's crying out to sign a centre-forward that can either play up with Antonio now and again or lead the line himself when Antonio's injured, he often is. Uh, and obviously he was sent off and he got suspended. So, you know, they paid the price. The lack of investment at the top level is now beginning to show even more. Yeah, other supporters, especially Spurs supporters, who I've heard from you know, over the weekend and even before the game, will moan, oh, well, it's Russian blood money, blah, blah, blah. You, you lot sort of overspend, blah, blah, blah. Spurs have had money over the last 10, 15 years. You can't tell me Spurs have not spent so much millions of pounds on players. They had the bail money and they spent it on not, not great. Whereas other teams, they would go out. And this is where I think the recruitment and scouting is important. It depends on how good it is. Yes, every signing's not going to be great. And we've had some bad signings. You know, we, we we discussed it on a previous episode, Steve. We've made some shoddy signings. But most of our signings have been good. Aspilicueta, yeah. arguably the best seven million we have spent in a long, long time. He's still there. Yeah. Thiago Silva, 35, free transfer. Lukaku, ninety-seven million, our most expensive signing. But look what he's look what he's produced. And I think, as you say, I I do agree. I think there is probably a three mini leagues in one league, and I'm hopeful. More than extremely confident, I am hope more hopeful than not than confident. We can win the league, but there's just a little bit of me that thinks we could potentially actually retain the European Cup? Yeah, well, if I had to put my money and being not with my blue shirt on, 
I'd say the most impressive team over the period of time so far this season has been Chelsea. And if you listen to a lot of pundits on the radio, on TalkSport on the radio, they're all saying that the team that finishes above Chelsea will win the league. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are saying there won't be anyone above Chelsea. They will win the league. Now, a lot of that is down to there's a certain amount of luck. You need to be injury, uh, injury, injuries at the right time. And, but when you look at our club and the strength in depth, you know, it's like we could field a team at Aston Villa in the League Cup and not play one of the first team that played on Saturday and still put a very, very good side out. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Villa because I want to switch gears to that. We're going to sort of preview the Carabao, I'll still call it League Cup. I still remember when it was called the Coca-Cola Cup back in the day. I still, still remember that. But again, in my opinion, and I've even said this yesterday to a couple of Chelsea supporters, if it was me... The only person that I would keep in that team that played on Sunday would be Kepa. Everyone else, night off. Yeah. We've got the squad depth. We've got enough quality to come in and do a job against Aston Villa. Aston Villa, we've mentioned it before coming on the show, it's a sort of competition they need to win because they're yeah. not going to get into Europe probably within the top six. They're not going to win the league. This is an opportunity for them to win a trophy. But for us, it's good for Tuchel to look at other players, look at rotation, keep players fresh. Bearing in mind, the next two games we've got after that are Man City on the Saturday and Juventus in the Champions League. Yeah. So yeah. people like Thiago Silva, give him the night off. Lukaku, no, I, I... give him the night. Maybe have Lukaku on the bench, but at least don't start him. But people like Mount, Give him the nine off. Put Hakim Ziyech in. Put Hudson Odoi in. See how they get got, on. Yeah. Put Werner in. Loftus Cheek, Werner, Barkley. Yeah. Give them a game. Yeah. And see and think, how they get on. I, th- I, 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 I think he will do that. I think, um, I think he will do that. I think his priority are the two games um, coming up because. I would imagine our priority is to win the Premier League and the Champions League. Hmm. So what he's got, he's got an ideal opportunity to get the players a little bit more match fit up to the standard. As the the because I think Aston Villa uh, will field a full side first team side. If I, I was there, I would. Bearing yeah, in I mind they... when they played against us, they played quite well the other week. Not a bad side, and are they? That three nil would I. Say it was flattering. They didn't deserve to lose three 0 but we deserve no. to win three 0 If yeah. if that makes sense, I thought they played quite well. They have got some decent players, but I'm just looking at the squad, Steve, just sort of quickly. And these are the sort of players who I'm expecting to play. Maybe not, maybe ninety minutes, but at least a large portion of the game. You've got players like Trevor Achalabar, Ben Chilwell. I'd expect Reese James to play, to be fair, considering he was out um, the weekend. Maling Saar, who was on loan at Porto last season, could probably maybe have Kante start, albeit he was on the bench on Sunday. Loftus-Cheek, Saul, Ross Barkley, Hudson-Odoi, Timo Werner, Ziyech. These players, put them in. See what they can yeah. do. And maybe even put a couple of the youngsters 
maybe have yeah. on the bench and see how CSA they get on again. It's the type of competition for us this season. Yeah, I want to win it, but we've got two huge games coming up in City and Juventus, and I don't want to lose against them. Bearing in mind, City, I think, are there for the taking, and Juve, they're in the bottom three at the moment in Serie A. So that tells you all you need to know about where, at the moment, Juventus are at this moment. So where we are compared to them, we need to be fresh for them. Yeah, that yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's also... Uh, do, do you remember Liverpool played there under 20... Was it under 23? One team, didn't they? In the, in the, And he, he even got to the stage where Klopp didn't manage the team. The guy at Blackpool managed the team. You know, the, when they went away on the World Club Championship or something, you know. Mm. So, uh, but I, I just think this is a great opportunity, as I said, to, to get the boys who haven't been involved, get them a game against a very, very good side. Um, and as I said, I, I think our two calls, two priorities will be the Premier League and the Champions League. And those two games coming up, as you say, are massive. And I'd like Thiago Silva and I'd like Kante. I'd like to have all those players fit for those two games because Man City, I think we could be... I never, ever dreamt that Man City would stay at home, play at home and only have one shot on target in 90 minutes. And that was, mm. that was against Southampton. Mm. Now, things aren't quite 100% there at the moment. We, we, we're playing them at, at a good time. I agree. Please. I agree. Especially at our place as well, where the atmosphere is going to be good, bearing in mind where we are in the in, in the league table at the moment. And this would put down a marker, bearing in mind we've already played Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, yeah. Senate, Champions League. We've, we've had a bit of a tough month for September. We beat yeah. Man City. I'm just going to look, look over the fixtures for October, Steve, and... Seems a little bit better, although it's not easy. But it's a little bit better than what we've had. We've got Southampton in on the second, Brentford on the sixteenth, Malmo in the Champions League. Then we've got Norwich and Newcastle, and that's October. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that you know, if we get over these two games, if we can, if we can get a win against um, Man City and a, and a win against Barcelona, that <laughs> uh, sorry uh, Juventus, that makes our job. A lot, lot easier to keep on track for the two, two big ones. Mm. Mm. So it'll be interesting what happens. Just want to sort of brief uh, mention the predictor league for those that actually I did get an email from somebody to say who's who's winning it at the moment because we haven't had a, any a sort of confirmation or any uh, updates or anything. I, it took me a while because I was a little bit late on sorting out who was winning what and how many points. Uh, people had I finally sorted out over the weekend and we have three people joint top at the moment and this was before the Spurs game so the three people that are joint top they are Steve Wicks oh. jo- John Dempsey and and a, third player, centre-back, and a third centre back no, it is it is an individual by the name of Jake Cooper. 
Right. So he's a Chelsea supporter called Jake Cooper. He is in a three-way tie for first place at the moment. And all the others are sort of partly back, maybe four or five points behind at the moment. So interesting. What we'll, what I'd like to do, Steve, just to, as we sort of keep on with the predictor league, could you give me your prediction for the Chelsea Villa game? Um, not knowing the team, that's quite hard. So I would, I'm going to have a little go. I'm going to say they're going to put the second team out and they're going to win 2-1. Lovely. Well, the table will be up this week. It will have the results of the Spurs as well. It will also have, hopefully, the results for Aston Villa. So I will put the table up later this week for your convenience. Um, we will hopefully have a show next week as well to review the Villa and Man City games as well. So if you want to find us on YouTube, find us on the Blue Day podcast. We've got great videos of myself at Chelsea with some good videos and we've got some highlights. We've got interviews as well. So find us on YouTube. Find us on Facebook.com slash the Blue Day podcast for all the news, all information, but we just want to sort of do a side note of, um, because this was something I was, we was going to mention last week. Now there's two reasons why we didn't have a show last week and I'll mention one of them. The other one, Steve was unable to do it for personal reasons, but the other, the reason why I couldn't do a show last week was to do with work commitments, but also I attended a PFA event, Steve last week. And it was, something that was uh, in, in in my diary for some time and I kept it quiet as I didn't want too many people to, yeah. to know about it but it was at the Grosvenor Hotel near Park Lane and it was an event organised by PT Events and organised by the PFA it was three Chelsea greats Steve and it was Gianfranco Zola Roberto Di Matteo it was supposed to be Dennis Wise but he was in Italy for reasons because he's the chief executive of the Italian side Como so they had a game on Friday that he had to attend so they had Tori Andre Flo not a bad substitute to have he was there and they were talking about some great Chelsea stories and it was an event as a Chelsea fan superb I was sitting with the Chelsea pitch owners the chairman Chris Isaac who's been on the show before and three other board members it was a great day. It was a, it was a really good day to listen to them, spend time with them, and I was part of the silent auction. They they they, they did have a silent auction there with a couple of Chelsea bits, and there was another sort of couple of raffles. Didn't win anything. I did try. There was a couple of hundred quid that I was a little bit out of, but it was great. And I just want to sort of pretty much plug the PFA that they because they do some good events as well. They've got one with Gareth Southgate coming up at the end of this year. So if you're interested, go have a look on the PFA. I'm not getting paid for this by the PFA, by the way, but I just want to sort of comment how pleased I was with how the evening went and for a Chelsea fan to listen to Zola and Di Matteo speak, bearing in mind Di Matteo won the Champions League with us. I was very fortunate to be there. Yeah, it sounds a great night, Keith. It was, it was, it was, it was especially great. And one I want to sort of now discuss... Uh, obviously, the news broke yesterday as the news that the great Jimmy Greaves passed away. Heard the news Sunday morning. And shock wasn't sort of the first thing that came to me when I heard the news. It was just more 
more sadness. And it was a case where I know that uh, Jimmy Greaves has been unwell for some time. But my God, what a character. And what a fantastic striker he was. Obviously, well before my time. But the highlights that you, that you see and the goals that he would score, he'd score all types of goals. And even with, and we'll talk about it with yourself, Steve, in a minute, but even with Saints and Greasy, a show that ran on ITV in the mid-80s to early 90s. I was, it was, again, before my time, but every person I speak to loved Saints and Greasy. I have not seen any football fan that said, that, oh, that was a rubbish show. It, it, was, they, it was superb. And again, I, I, I feel sad for the family and friends of the great Jimmy Grease because he was such a character. And again, another character's gone from the game. And so, so Steve, just want to sort of wrap the sort of episode up if, just by sort of getting your memories of Jimmy Grease. Because again, you were sort of coming through the ranks while he was sort of playing and then he was sort of... A, coming at the end of his career but you were sort of yeah. in that sort of same bracket in the 70s as a sort of a Chelsea player coming through so what are your yeah. memories of the great Jimmy Greaves well, growing I think, up as a uh, kid and seeing him play well I think Jimmy's record speaks for itself there's not one striker that has ever been that has scored the amount of goals and game ratio it's like his England I think I'm right in saying he played 50, uh, seven times or 54 times for England scored 44 goals if he'd have played the amount of goal uh, games that Rooney had played he worked out he'd get 95 hmm. um, his goal ratio was something like 434 in 516 games or something it, it was unbelievable I never played against Jimmy my dad used to think he was the greatest thing since sliced bread and I remember as a kid watching the football and seeing him score the most unbelievable goals he glided across the pitch in the in pitches that were well just mud heaps really and my god he could finish and a couple of things I'll always remember Terry Venables was very close to uh, you know to Jimmy and he used to say to Clive Allen over and over and over again when you get through do me a favour don't blast it, pass it, mm. pass it into the net. And he gave Clive a DVD to watch Jimmy Greaves and look at how many times he got through, dropped his shoulder, went through, and instead of hammering it, just passed the ball into the net. He was the best finisher you'll ever see. Um, a lovely man. I had the, 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 the honour of meeting him two or three times. An extremely funny man. Fantastic sense of humour. And Ken Chiletto told the best story I think I've ever heard, and I couldn't stop laughing. He was saying that Jimmy was always the practical joke man in the squad. And uh, Ken was on the train, and Jimmy used to go uh, get off at Earl's Court. So, packed trains. So, as he gets to go off at Earl's Court, and Ken's staying on the train, he goes up to Ken, gives him a kiss, smack on the lips and says, see you, darling, I'll see you tomorrow. And left Ken on the track <laughs> as the doors closed. Or Ken was like, everyone was looking at him. <laughs> he was at, and that was Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves had a wicked sense of humour. Um, and 
a lovely man. You know, he pioneered ex-footballers going on to TV. It was very important that that show because it it was the first of its kind. The first that um, you know, an ex-footballer, two footballers were were you know on TV talking about football. And um, obviously there was Jimmy Hill, but it was different. But uh, he was a lovely man, uh, very, very humble, very humble. Um, and also, I don't think you should ever forget, and, and, and Bobby Moore told me this, he said in the England squad when we won the World Cup in 1966, we had five world-class players. No, who was it? No, who was it? No, it was Alan Ball. Alan Ball said to me, we had five world-class players. Um, and he said, that's Gordon Banks, Bobby Moore, Ray Wilson, and Bobby Chelton. I said, that's four. He said, yes, the other world-class player didn't play that day. That was Jimmy Greaves. And I think that says everyone respected him for what he was and knew what, he was a, what sort of player he was. And my uh, love and thoughts are, are with... Uh, you know, Jimmy's family and his friends. And he, he will be a great loss to everyone and a great loss to the football world, that's for sure. Definitely. I've just got up these goal-scoring records, as we just mentioned, obviously, the amount of goals he scored. And you mentioned with England, he scored 44 goals in 57 appearances. I mean, Unbelievable. Even that, even that in itself is superb. Chelsea... Um, but- between 1957 to 1961, he scored 124 goals in 157 appearances. Milan, he scored nine goals in 12 appearances. Spurs, obviously, when he, he was there the longest and he was more probably revered at White Hart Lane, 220 goals in 321 appearances. And even at West Ham for one season, 13 goals in 38 appearances. Even that's quite impressive compared to especially today's standards. But uh, as you said, you know, my thoughts, my thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of Jimmy Greaves. And the only sort of time I met him was it was at a Q&A event in Dartford many, many years ago. I went with my brother, who's a Tottenham fan, and we sat probably four or five rows from the front. And I was in all of the guy because his stories were so entertaining and they were funny. And you know, somebody was talk. Somebody sort of heckled in the crowd about, you know, why are you not on Chelsea TV? You know, you'd be great back on Chelsea TV. And he just said, Chelsea don't, Chelsea don't want me, but I know other people that do, and that's people here. And it just things like mm. that was just sort of superb, and it was just sort of listening to. Yeah, no, he, he was some uh... great stories of him, and it's obviously the tribute that came out of with White Hart Lane. Uh, yesterday with the with the minutes of applause, I'm hoping that Chelsea can do their own little tribute as well for, for for the man, considering he did start his career with Chelsea. And my goodness, again, as we said, you know, we talked about Terry Venables as being a character. We talked about you know other people, Rodney Marsh as well. As we took you know, look at sort of characters in the game, Jimmy Greaves was just complete, one of a kind. Yeah, just just a one-off, and uh, you know, and I heard his interview with. He was asked the question, "How did you feel about not playing in the 1966 World Cup?" I don't know whether you heard that, but the way he responded, and 
the humble way he dealt with it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, that just typified the man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you look at players of that era, they always had time for fans. And Jimmy would stop, he'd talk, because he was one of those fans. He never forgot his, his, you know, where he came from. Yeah, and as you say, humble guy, and what what a lovely fella, and he he will be missed. So I don't think there's much more we can sort of add to that. Steve is there. I mean, hopefully, as you say, hopefully there'll be a special tribute by Chelsea for him. And yeah, well, I I I, yeah. I hope we talk about Tottenham where you look at his, his main part of his career was at Tottenham. I, I really think he's great enough for them to sort of say, we're going to put a statue up to remember Jimmy Greaves forever. Because they don't, you know, if you spoke to people of his, his time, who's your favourite player? I would imagine 75% of Tottenham fans would have said Jimmy Greaves. Um, and that's the impression he made. And it would be nice if they did a little something to honour him because I think he's a little bit let down with Whitehall I think he should have got his OBE and MBE and even a Sir Jimmy um, you know because there's lots of people that are riding bikes and doing things that are getting knighthoods uh, I look at him as one of our all-time greats you know and how Bobby Moore hasn't had a I don't know how they call it but but just been you know sort of honoured more I don't know. Um, mm, I find mm. it really... So I hope certain things are done that even with his record, maybe a little something at Wembley. Yeah. Or maybe it's, we should put... There's all those photos of players. Let's make room for Jimmy Greaves. Let's put Jimmy Greaves up there. Because he was a Chelsea boy. He didn't want to leave Chelsea. Chelsea sold him. He didn't want to go. Um, and he's one of the, his goal records sits there with the best just, just, I just want to end the show, Steve, with another plug. If you have BT Sport, Chelsea supporters, or if you can find it on other platforms, there's a great documentary that BT Sport did called Greavesy. I, I did watch it again last night, if I had to, and it's, it's a great documentary about the man. So I do urge people, if you haven't watched it, or if you have watched it, watch it again. It's great sort of seeing him with through the highlights and looking at different matches and sort of just sort of watching what he did in his life but I just want to end Steve with this quote that Jimmy Greaves made about Chelsea that I would like to share with you and obviously share with the supporters and then we'll wrap this up is that good for you Steve? Yeah absolutely, absolutely. Right. Jimmy Greaves quote it's probably the greatest name in the world Chelsea you think about it it conjures up the best part of the biggest city in the world Chelsea it's magical Stay safe, folks, and carefree. Running ball sideways. Greaves! Oh, the hat trick for Greaves in his last appearance. It's Greaves made it 4 1. And the home team. Lundstone, Lundstone back to Greaves. Is Hanky back very well? It's a chance of a good shot. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Social Podcast Network.